Welcome to Otaku Beef. I'm Zid Raw, Z-I-D-R-A-V-V. And you guys know what time it is. It's Game of Thrones time. We just finished episode three. The Queen's Justice. And I believe that this is almost like a, a dual title, the same way that everything has multiple meanings in this show. Um, where we're talking about the Queen's Justice in regards to both Daenerys and to Cersei, who is now the Queen of the uh, Iron Throne, and so forth and so on. But before we get started, I'm just going to say what I say every time. Because these are very fresh, these are very new, I'm going to be spoiler spoiling the hell out of the show. So this is a spoilerific show. If you have not seen the episode, I will advise you to turn this off. Go watch it, go steal it, go buy it. I guess don't steal it, go buy it. And then come back and and listen to the podcast. Um, In addition to that, if you're listening on Anchor, be sure to call in and give your thoughts about the episode. Um, Give me your non-spoiler thoughts about the, or sorry, your spoiler-filled thoughts about the episode. I'll warn everybody before I play your calls. And let's just kind of get right into it. I mean, it's so crazy because when you watch a show like this, you immediately want to start at the end of the episode because that's that's where you are, uh, where you left off, and that's kind of like the last part where they they hooked us. But I got to bring it back to the beginning and why this show is so great. What's brilliant about this particular show and what makes it so compelling is that. The characterization of all the various characters of Daenerys, of Jon Snow, of uh, Tyrion, Sansa, Littlefinger, everybody is so well defined. And obviously, thanks to George R. R. Martin, if you've read the books, you get a, even more of a definition of the characters. I've, um, I know that I'm bringing some of the legacy knowledge from the actual fiction from the page onto the screen so there's almost like a dichotomy it's almost like the 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 pages are adding on to the depth of the characters that are being portrayed right now and you know that's true for any work of fiction but because of how the book series has stopped at book five and six which is supposed to be called the winds of winter may come out eventually may not we really don't know. The characters on the show are slowly starting to take over as these are the real characters. And the book characters are almost like um, a byproduct. It's kind of kind of crazy. But anyway, now we have our favorite characters kind of in the same room talking to each other. And this is what we've been wanting for over a decade. No, two decades. Because I want to say the, sh- the books started in the 90s I remember an old issue of um, game, some video game magazine, Game Informer or Playstation Magazine or something, where they said which book series would be best turned into a video game and they mentioned Game of Thrones, this is like 96 so yeah it's like 20 years we've been wanting Jon Snow and Daenerys to talk to each other. We wanted Jon Snow, Tyrion, and Daenerys to be in the same room with one another. And it's finally fucking happening. And it is 
so satisfying. They could have literally sat there and talked about, I don't know, like pigeons or pigeon pie, and I would have been excited. But just the fact that the show understands the investment that the books have made, the show understands the investment. So when you have the people that are invested in certain aspects, they need the payoff and it's really giving it to us. So right away, we have the meeting of two people whom are spiritual and almost going to be historical titans and neither of them really knows that the other one is. And so because they are, they're treating them the way people would treat the other person as if they don't have the knowledge that they need. So the, it starts off with John meeting Tyrion on the beach and that's 100% satisfying for the simple fact that they are essentially for all intents and purposes friends who haven't seen each other for a long time and we know they're friends because we consider them friends to us John is our friend in addition to a character Tyrion is our friend in addition to a character so seeing the two friends kind of back together and meeting we just know nothing but good things are going to happen and seeing the mutual admiration of these two characters wherein throughout the series they're put into situations where people just don't admire them they don't listen to them they don't like them they plot against them they try to kill them again and again and again and now finally people believe in them they understand that they've done what they've done for all these years for the good of the people that surround them. So seeing that and seeing the fact that they are now finally together and talking and they, they're kind of implying some of the dangers that they've been through and the hardships and, um, <laughs> and just kind of some of the things they don't say outright, but they're like, Oh, you've got, you've got some more scars since last I see you. And Tyrion's like, yeah, you, you do too. It's just very interesting. And also, what's fascinating too is seeing the people that they brought with them. These are all the characters from different locations that we liked. We, uh, we liked Sir Davos. He was the only one that was trying to do right by Shireen. He was just... Sir Davos literally is probably the most loyal character in the entire series. Well, one of them. He's loyal to Stannis because Stannis saved him. He literally brought him in and because of his loyalty, he would he did everything in his power to support him. He learned to freaking read and just wanted to do right by Stannis and Shireen. And Stannis let him down. Shireen had that terrible scene in that in, in last season. It was so hard to watch. I can't even it was just the worst thing ever. But seeing this other good guy get with these other good guys, it's almost like this is what would happen in real life, where all the good people would kind of slowly, naturally gravitate towards one another, and all the bad people, or the people who are just kind of despicable, would gravitate towards themselves. It's like seeing the Avengers and like, or like uh, the Justice League, 
just naturally form a team and the Legion of Doom naturally form a team. They don't do it because they're like, let's be evil or let's be good. They're just like, these guys seem to know what's up. This is who I need to be with. Tyrion is like, I may know a guy who's the king of the north. We should send for him. So anyways, they eventually climb up the stairs and it was, it was, it was amazing when the dragons actually swooped down overhead and John and Davos hit the floor because think, you got to think about it too, like this, there's nothing in the sky in this world like that. There's no airplanes, there's no helicopters, there's no skyscrapers. There's like a couple of big, massive castles and citadels. And that's it. And then seeing these giant creatures soaring overhead. It's just, they're reacting as if they just like the, the, the very like stars themselves shot out of the sky at them. It's just some brilliant stuff. Little touches like that. Just the writing and the, oh, the direction was amazing. And I'm still in the opening sections. When they were marching, when their ships landed... And this is what's so great. They didn't wait and have this long, slow, boring journey of John in the sea. Oh, when are we going to get there? No, they start off the show. He's there. They put the camera on the on the sand and we get this long, stretching, beautiful shot of them slowly tick, 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 marching their way forward, dragging their ships behind them. It's just little touches like this that make make the show have the breadth of uh, scale and scope and detail that a lot of the shows on most TV shows can't touch. And a lot of that has to do with budget and time. They have a little bit more freedom to do what they want and more time, but at the same time, they just make better choices than a lot of the other shows do or just do not make. So eventually, John goes to the castle throne room with Daenerys. What I thought was so well executed when they finally arrived and we have John meeting Daenerys face to face is how accurate it went and obviously it's gonna I don't mean accurate in terms of this is what was supposed to happen I mean accurate in terms of the humanity of the situation I had a feeling that they weren't really going to agree in the beginning that they were gonna definitely butt heads because Daenerys her flaw is that she has to have her way immediately or she gets upset and she's slowly starting to base decisions on whether someone is good or evil based on whether how quickly they agree with her and what she smartly did is she brought Tyrion along to let her know when she's being too bullheaded. And that's her greatest strength, is understanding where she needs help. It's not the dragons. It's the humility. And John, he's too direct. And he thinks, he, 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 his flaws, he feels that people... That he, you know, his, his flaw is more like he doesn't get know how to get people to understand him other than, here I am, I'm Jon Snow. Come on. You got, I mean, you got to, but like, he, he's not good at explaining things. It's just all 
compassion and purpose. And that's all well and good for leading men, but that's not really the best in terms of... It's not really the best in terms of politics. So once again, his greatest strength is that he surrounds himself with people that believe his dream, who are better at explaining things. And it was pretty brilliant because when Khaleesi had um, um, Masinde, like after she gave that long announcement of what all her accomplishments, who she was, breaker of chains, mother of dragons, uh, rifle heir, our rightful ruler of the seven kingdoms, uh, the house Targaryen, so forth and so on. And Davos was like, this is Jon Snow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, that was great. But what, what, what was so cool about it is that she had, Mis- what was I saying? She had Masinde express everything that she wanted and she said, bend the knee because she is the queen. And so what the queen say is, do what I say because of the history of everything. There's no leading with understanding where someone is coming from first and then making decisions second. It's decide now and then we'll talk it out. But we all know that that hasn't historically worked for too many people. And I knew that they were going to butt heads. I knew that she was going to be stubborn and then he was going to be frustrated, even though his explanations were going to be shitty. That happens to him all the time. But when Davos stepped in and he was like, no, trust me, this happened, that happened. He, he defended his people. He united the wildlings. He brought them uh, across the wall. He took a knife to the heart and they had to stop him. Man you can actually feel the the gravity of how they're how they're talking and it it, it 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 felt really like both of them believed their causes and they were frustrated that the other person wasn't wasn't immediately agreeing with their cause and john was like the army of the dead is coming he didn't say all right this sounds crazy but Tyrion, you were there I've been to the other side of the wall. There are these things called White Walkers. They, they, they don't die. I saw them kill. I saw them. I swear I can show you. Here's what it is. I can get thousands of firsthand accounts. He just said, the dead is coming. Night King. And then expects them to believe him. He's just not good at that. And if he were a little bit better, he would be more successful. But then he wouldn't be Jon Snow. You know what I'm saying? So once again, this is Zid Raw, and we are continuing on the Game of Thrones talk. This is heavy spoilers for the latest episode, The Queen's Justice. Um, so we're just talking about how John and uh, Daenerys probably should be allies, but because they're arguing about the placement of things and how things should 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 go, who should be in charge, who should bend to who, should we bend at all? You need to listen to me. No, you need to listen to me. They aren't allowing the other person their feelings of where what's happened to them. 
Daenerys is like, all this terrible stuff has happened to me, and I didn't do it, blah, 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 so give me. Jon's like, well, all this terrible stuff has happened to me. They need to acknowledge the other person's struggle in order for them to really unite, or at least start working together, which obviously later on Tyrion suggests. But anyway, we have that beautiful setup, and then we shoot over to the Castle of Darkness, where the Hell Queen, Cersei, is ruling as a completely different character. Who is this? This is like a, a completely 180 degree turn, super sharp, poised, a, a very a very brilliant strategist, always knows what to do. This is a new character. This is not the Cersei that I've ever seen on Game of Thrones, ever. And it's fine. It just feels weird because I don't know who this person is. And so Jamie is, is with her and he doesn't really know uh, what to do. He's like nervous and kind of to the side. And Cersei, despite everything that's happened to her before, she is taken over and she's like, she has this one guy, her advisor in her hand, the, 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 the twisted maester. He's very sharp. He scares the shit out of me because he does everything just so pleasantly and matter of factly, but he just keeps doing all this like crazy Dr. Frankenstein evil shit. It's nuts, but it's good. makes really good TV. So anyway, you're on Greyjoy marches Oberon's wife back uh, or girlfriend back and one of her daughters and Cersei has this really like crazy rant where she's talking about how how could you take my daughter from me I'll show you like Cersei can't even she has no sense of empathy she never had sense of empathy not ever I mean go back to season one where she because the wolf that uh, because Arya's wolf bit Joffrey, Cersei had Sansa's wolf killed just to be spiteful. She's a terrible human being. So giving her any type of power at all, <coughs> it's made her just psych psychopathic. It almost feels like jo like the whole thing about Joffrey is that, and the Mad King is that because of all this inbreeding, you're going to get people who are mentally unbalanced and unstable. But now I'm starting to think that maybe the commentary is Joffrey actually is like his mother. Whereas she is cruel and vindictive and just sort of like an evil person simply because she's soulless and kind of ridiculous. So she's, she has them in the dungeon and she has them she has the mom strapped to one wall and the daughter strapped to the other and she's like this will be your punishment forever you are going to be chained inside the cell i'm going to poison your i've just poisoned your daughter which she did the same way that she killed uh Marcella, which i thought was pretty messed up too because it's like everybody is so just crazy and passionate that they just don't care. All they care about is how they're personally feeling in the moment. So fuck everybody else. I'll show I'll show them. I'm just going to kill a little girl, which is what she did and so Cersei is doing the same thing. Cersei is em embracing her evil side. And it's pretty pretty gross and it's pretty disgusting. Um having her chained up there, watching her die, and then letting her watch her body rot forever and ever. 
and just kind of keeping her alive. It's pretty, it's pretty nuts. And I guess that we're going to pump her up to make it that more satisfying when she gets brought down. But I still don't recognize her as the same character. So let me give you a couple of like my quick thoughts about the Greyjoys just because they didn't have much of a big part to play this time. Uh, Euron Greyjoy came in. He was an arrogant ass like always. He's that over-the-top ridiculous character. He had Asha Greyjoy uh, being dragged behind him. Well, she was tied up. Her hands were tied in front of her and being marched through the capital. Everyone's clapping and applauding. It must suck to live in King's Landing where every other day some sycophantic king or queen is just demanding that you stand outside and cheer or, or whatever. And it happens all the time. And so, anyway, he's rude to Jamie, disappears. They've, Theon gets saved by a Greyjoy ship, which was a disappointment because everyone was hoping he was going to be saved by Gendry. He went riding off on that boat. In season in, in season three, never to return, and um, after that, that's it. Like we see the ships later on at the end, but they don't really have much of a part to play. Just to let them know that they're strong, they're powerful, they're winning. Um, Jamie is having a tough time because what they're doing on the show is they're making it as if he is the 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 one in love and the relationship so he's just trying to make her happy and doing whatever he keep she wants and hoping and she is coming in and ruling and demanding sex because she killed some people and so forth and so on i know what the commentary is there i'm not really going to get into it i just think that jamie's having a tough time because he is teetering as well he's one of the characters that was brilliantly made to be sympathetic in regards to um, what George R. R. Martin wrote, but because he still was Cersei, because he's throwing away his youth, his health, and everything for Cersei, and he's in bed with the wrong sister, no pun intended, ironically, it, it's, it's almost killing him slowly. It's suffocating him, making him be smart, but not for his own sake. And he's just kind of going along with it. He's not happy about it. In the last episode, he was telling Cersei to just... Cersei was telling him, like, what? Just get over it. Who cares? So Tommen threw himself off a roof. Whatever. She's nuts. She's lost her mind. And he's hoping that she'll regain her mind in peace. But we all know that she won't. She's going to find another enemy. She may turn him into an enemy. She may decide to... Uh, create enemies that aren't there she just doesn't have anything left she said she doesn't sleep she just stares awake at night thinking of inflicting pain she's gone she's lost it and he really doesn't know what to do and so he's trying to continue to be himself and command a bit of respect which I'm assuming he does because he is leading an army but it's not really truly there the way it used to be. He had both hands, but now he has the, this, this brilliant golden hand as he's leading his armies into battle, which is a very cool masterstroke in terms of visually how that looks. But anyway, poor, poor Jamie. He's got a lot 
that he has to contend with. And I don't know if he's going to be able to make it. Um, moving right along, let's let's touch on Sansa. There was this really nice thing where Littlefinger expressed to her basically his own point of view, how he thought. He said, listen, you have to consider everything all the time. Everybody is your enemy. Everybody is your friend. All and any ops and any options and possibilities, you have to recreate them and interact with them in your head over and over and over again. That's the best way to stay successful and sane and to win, which is what he was doing. Now, they've dumbed him down a little bit in the show as opposed to how they had him in the books. And I'm assuming in the books, there was going to be him basically teaching Sansa how to be this. Where in the show, they just kind of decided, oh, she's brilliant already, which I'm not really buying, but you know, hey, it's TV. But it's interesting seeing how she's finally imparting her knowledge and what she knows of the North. It's working out pretty well for her. She, she's really ruling Winterfell. The second reunion was awesome. Sansa and Bran finally meeting each other. She realizing that he's actually alive. Now, they didn't give us the benefit of the conversation where she's like, wait a minute, I thought you were dead. How did it happen? What happened? They probably just didn't have time, but they kind of cut to him instead trying to explain who he is, what he's become. And she's like, well, you're the new lord. You're the last heir of... of um, of Ned Stark so you should be the Lord of Winterfell and he's like I'm never going to be the Lord I can't be the Lord again and he's got this new dreamy inflection where he's fully adopted the three-eyed raven mantle he explained to her he's like I can't I'm the three-eyed raven and she's like what's the three-eyed raven and he goes into this explanation where he obviously explains nothing and he says I can't it's hard to explain and he gives the most abstract obscure way of, of he's not even trying I could have said, well, when I, I started having dreams and there was a raven in my dreams, had three eyes. It turns out that raven was being controlled by this guy who can warg into creatures. And a warg is somebody who can put your mind in a bird or an animal or a wolf and you can see through their eyes. So I was learning how to do that so that I can use this magic stuff. Like it seems pretty easy to explain, but he has to keep it super cryptic where he's like, well, I can't explain it. But I will, it's difficult. And then he says, I'm the Three-Eyed Raven. I was saved by the Three-Eyed Raven. And she's like, but I thought you were a Three-Eyed Raven. He's like, I told you it was hard to explain. You wanted it to be hard to explain. That was bullshit. Anyways, uh, it was a really cool reunion. He kind of showed her that he could see everything by talking about how she was beautiful and how she looked and her wedding dress. And he was so so terrible that that happened to her. How he is basically watching the world which is pretty cool. And you'd think that would be a very useful uh, power and gift, especially for the upcoming war, because they're gonna need to know. They're going to need to know where the armies are. They're going to need to know where the Night King is because we're heading in that direction. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think next season will be the last season. I think this is the season where we fight the last wars of humanity against humanity. The next season is going to be mankind versus the dead. When they finally come across the wall, the Night King comes and Daenerys 
now queen of the seven kingdoms with Jon Snow as her partnered king of the north and Tyrion or whomever as the lord of Castle Rock and the lord of this and the lord of that are going to be fighting off these zombies. It's going to be terrifying and beautiful and sad and tragic as some people will die and probably the red priestesses will come and some of them will actually fight and maybe we'll see some other forms of magic though this show is very low magic but it's going to be a struggle it's going to be a powerful struggle but it's going to be one that we've been waiting for and that is how the show I believe will end now if they do it all in this season I will be impressed and surprised just because of how much is happening, but maybe they'll make it, they'll split it in half and then half will be against the people and then the other half will be against the Night King and this is the last season. I don't really know. All I know is that it's coming and hopefully the pieces that we want to be in place will be there at least to some extent, except for Theon because just keeping him around and just further point out how lame his character is and yeah maybe he'll change right before he dies or maybe he'll save someone but right now he is not anyone's favorite um and yeah the the beauty of the battle scenes it's astounding seeing the camera pull back Legions marching upon legions, striving towards castles, shields above their heads, spears headed down. I loved how they did the explanation matched with the actual battle. It was it was so well done. So well done. We see Grey Worm leading the armies, um, wearing the Targaryen flag as uh, as the flag on his ships and storming Casterly Rock. And it's crazy too because this was a great throwback to something from the books. In the books, there's a brief passage where Tyrion is talking about how his father put him in charge of the sewer system and the toilet system in Casterly Rock. And he meant it almost as a disgrace, but Tyrion said, fine put me in charge of it and he made it the cleanest most up-to-date perfectly flowing system that they've ever seen Tyrion says you mean to insult me well I'll turn that insult into an honor and that's his greatest gift and so he uses that knowledge so that they can get into the castle and this is also another throwback and I'm going to tell you when they invaded one of the cities when um Daenerys had the Insulate army and they had to take over this, I think it's the city of the Harpies, in the, or one of the cities. In the books, they had to go into through the sewer system. And um, Barristan the Bold, who should be there, but I guess they got rid of him in the show, he, le- he leads a charge through the sewer system underneath, and they didn't do that in the, in, the, in the show, so hey, why not have it in Casterly Rock? And it's crazy too, because this is the first time we've even seen Casterly Rock. So we don't get to spend any time there, we don't get to check it out, we don't get to know how it's different from the other kingdoms. And that's where I miss books versus the show, is the detail of why is Winterfell different than Casterly Rock, different than Highgarden? 
all we get is a visual and we kind of have to make it up on our own and because we don't have time they're not different they feel the same Dragonstone is awesome now when before all it reminded me of was storms and, and rain and, 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 and rocks but I guess it's the perfect place to store dra- to, for dragons to live because there is a lot of rocks stuff won't burn down if they breathe fire it's whatever they can fly out to sea catch a whale come back munch on it it's perfect for them but anyways, that whole invasion of Castle Rock was so well done. Tyrion did this great explanation. And even though it felt good, because it felt like our side was winning, and Grey Worm was in there taking names, we still lost. And that's what's killing us right now, is that any progress they're making is being met with something else, pushing them back, holding them back. Jamie took a tactic that he learned from Rob Stark in the Whispering Woods, which is another great throwback, and took his army elsewhere, and instead he took over Highgarden. And Highgarden didn't have the armies to match at all. So, seeing that, and, and, and seeing this wonderful battle scene met with exposition, met with <laughs> the, the figurines that they still have time to carve because he had an unsullied helmet figurine on the fucking table. Like, and he's like, and the unsullied will come after the Lannisters. And I was like, who carved this? Like, was it Masinde? Was she uh, in, in her room thinking about Grey Worm with uh, carving that up? Uh, anyway, so they, they were able to take Castle Rock, but half the people were there. No one, the real army was elsewhere taking Highgarden and we have this brilliant scene between Jamie and uh, the Lady of Flowers and this is basically her final scene he lets her know that it's over he offers her the poison and she drinks it willingly and she goes out like a G just like we like because we like her she's amazing but then she just could she had to tell Jamie, who did her a kindness, and tell her, I'm the one that poisoned Joffrey. She has to twist the knife. And she said, I want you to tell Cersei, I want her to know. And the sad thing is that if he does tell Cersei, she's probably not going to believe him. Or she'll blame him because she's crazy. And the one who's truly hurt now is Jamie. And if all things go well, he'll meet Brienne one more time and Brienne will bring him over to the good side because we know deep down that Jamie is supposed to be on Tyrion's team and not opposing him. And hopefully we can get there right before the Night King comes and maybe Jamie will put his sword in the back of the Night King and they'll hail him as Kingslayer for real, for truth, for victory. I have a feeling that things are going to go poorly the same way that they have been. Um, They're losing ships. They're getting dominated on the ocean. They're now kind of fucking up on land. They just, they're not winning against Jamie and Cersei at the moment. They're just making moves that you would think would be good because they're coming from Tyrion, but they're not. Because despite his brilliance, they know about his brilliance and they're almost anticipating it. And he should be able to think three steps ahead, but he hasn't been yet. So, 
I think things are going to get worse again before they get better. I pity what's going to happen to Asha Greyjoy. We don't really know what's going to happen. I'm still hoping that Arya can make it to Winterfell to see Bran and Sansa. Because Jon's not there. He at least got to mind Dragonglass. That, that was amazing where they finally had a real conversation. And it wasn't just one crown trying to beat down the other. They were like, look, I get it. You're having a tough time. And Tyrion convinced her to let him get the dragon glass. And that's how you can make an ally. Don't force an ally. Make an ally. Let them choose you. And he told Jon to lighten the fuck up too. Because she's been through some shit. And she has all these people. You think she forced them? You think she's evil? You need her. And so hopefully... She was kind of gazing on him with a little bit of admiration. And I hope he does the same because we want them to be partners. We want them to trust one another. We want this to work as audience because those are the people we're rooting for. They're the protagonists. They're the ones that we like. So I'm digging where they're going. I hope that we can get more united meetings and directed toward these enemies because I'm getting kind of tired of Cersei. I feel like they're pumping her up and personally I don't find her character to be to, to be as interesting as any of the others. In the books, she even had her own chapters and she was the only character whose perspective chapters just made me like them even less. She was obsessive, delusional, cruel, and kind of dumb. And seeing how they're kind of turning her into like the second coming of Tywin Lannister, which they said she had his his cruelty and his cunning. But she didn't quite have his tact. They're turning her into him. So maybe that's where the direction she was going to go in. I don't really know. I'm not really sure. But I'm just kind of tired of her. I don't find her to be as interesting as the Night King and the stuff beyond the wall simply because I feel like that's what we finally are getting to as uh, Melisandre said when she was standing over the cliff and Vera spotted her she says I- I've done my duty I brought fire and ice together hence hence a song of ice and fire uh, for those of you who don't read the books that's the name of the series uh, each book, the books aren't called the Game of Thrones series. They're called A Song of Ice and Fire. And A Game of Thrones was the first book in that series. So now she says that she's going to go away to uh, Valyria, which is where the special Valyrian steel was from. And she's going to come back because she's supposed to die in Westeros. And she said Varys is supposed to die in Westeros too. We don't know what's going to happen. I wish they would explain more about the Red Priest. I wish they would show a little bit more of the magic side of things. But I'm sure a lot of good stuff is coming and I can't wait to see it. So next week, once again, I'm going to podcast the episode four of Game of Thrones right after the show. I really appreciate you guys checking out and listening to it. I hope you're having as much fun listening as I am making these. Um, This is great times. We're having a great season. Every episode so far has been really, really dope. I don't really have any complaints other than just characters I don't like, but they're not low-quality characters. They're just annoying characters. Uh, Cersei is who I'm talking about. And um, I'm looking forward to next week. I hope we get to see 
more of Sam because he saved. Uh, I didn't touch on that, but he saved Sojora. That was a great moment. Sojora is going to go back and join Khaleesi and be on her side again, uh, probably as one of her generals. And everything is putting into place. Now let's get a real victory for her, for John, and let's bring Arya back because we got the game back all together. Uh, so I'm Zid Raw. This is Otaku Beef. Uh, I appreciate, I love you guys. Peace.